Welcome to the Relaunch Your Career podcast. I'm your host, Leah Lambert, career and interview coach and founder of Relaunch Me, where we help you find the work that you were meant to do. Welcome to another episode of the Relaunch Your Career podcast. Today, I have one of our wonderful writers from the Relaunch Me team, Victoria Hay, who is going to talk to us about the importance of having a resume that is clear and structured and well-written, as well as the advantages of having a strong LinkedIn profile. Welcome to the podcast, Victoria. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. Uh, So, Victoria, I always like to find out a little bit about your career journey. Are you happy to sort of share how you've become a resume writer and what your background was before that? Yes, certainly. Um, My background is in HR, fell into HR when I was going to take a year out before I went to university when I was 18 and started working for a company who then sent me to do my undergraduate and postgraduate degree in HR, which was great. So, um, came out of that with no debt and then yeah, just worked in HR as a generalist for a long time and then worked in um, talent management and obviously looking at recruitment and resourcing and workforce planning and, and capability profiles for, for companies, capability frameworks. And then and then the kids came along, which is often a common story, isn't it, that we hear from clients. The kids came along and I had to, had to rethink because I was in quite a big role, national role, lots of travel around Australia. Um, and a team to manage and and once the second one came along who was a bit poorly I I couldn't really do that anymore so I thought I'd take a break from corporate and do maybe a few years of just consulting and portfolio career and did some resume writing um, for a company and and also doing some leadership consulting and you know I really like I say I thought it would be a stopgap and and here I am 10 years later and I've really focused on the resume writing and LinkedIn writing and the career stuff because it's just really rewarding, isn't it? You can you can attest to that. It's like you, you do feel like you're helping people on an individual level. So, and of course, the flexibility has been amazing. It's located Australia to England. And so nine, nine, 10 years I've been doing it now. Wow, such a long time. And look at, I mean, being a resume writer, you can do it in your own time when the kids are at school or the kids are in bed. So it certainly allows that flexibility and such a great way to use your HR background in a, in a different way. Yeah, and I think just having that understanding of what companies are looking for and how roles add value to the organisational strategy, which is really what my background is, really helps me to articulate the value that people have added in in the roles that they've had uh, and and really understand how that fits in, just not from a task perspective, but from an organisational perspective as well. So Yeah, exactly. Been quite a while since you worked in HR, and obviously at some point you imagine you're working in recruitment and we're seeing resumes. What have you noticed that's changed a lot about the application process or the recruitment process since you worked in HR in Sydney? Well, I think I mean it's anything you could say, isn't it? That um, over the last twenty years, processes have changed because of automation and and digitization, and so the fact as soon as people were able to advertise online it suddenly opened up this much bigger market and of course more people can apply it's much easier to see the jobs and apply for them so instead of having you know up to 10 if you were lucky applications for a role you're now getting a hundred plus 
um, for, for an advert. So, so that's really driven a lot of changes in, in screening processes. I made it a lot more competitive, really, and, and made that quality of that resume that much more important. So one of the biggest changes I think that I've noticed since I worked in recruitment was the introduction of applicant tracking systems, which, yeah. uh, you know, when I worked in recruitment, we were just starting to use those. I mean, you know a lot about applicant tracking systems and how they use that to parse the content out of resumes. Do you want to explain to the listeners a little bit about the importance of keyword optimization to beat the bot? Yeah, absolutely. So that basically the ATS that these, these tools are scanning, are doing the initial screen of your resume. So and um, before it even gets into the hands of the human, um, it's being it's being scanned by bots to, to pick up the keywords and, and match the keywords in your resume or your application with the keywords in their job description. And those with right keyword matches and those with more keyword matches will be screened to that top of that shortlist. So... So your language that you're using and aligning that language with the target jobs is really important for, for that early stage, as well as obviously when it then gets to a human. Yeah, that's right. And look, I think ATSs used to be used more frequently for those high volume roles like admin or call centre, but they now seem to be using sort of across the board at all levels, aren't they? Well, I mean, I had a, and it was a year or so ago, um, but it still stuck with me that I was working with a CIO, very senior guy, like worked in, in very big roles. And he was going for a CIO role in a very large blue chip organization. And, you know, these are the types of roles that you used to see being headhunted and having very small pool of candidates. And he said that there were 2000 applicants for that role. And so nobody's going to screen 2,000 applicants um, manually. And so you just know that even at that level, there's a, a high degree of automation um, at work. Wow, that's incredible. Whilst we're talking about keyword optimization, it might be a good time to also talk about how having a LinkedIn profile that is keyword optimized can also really work for job seekers, career changes, and people relaunching their career. Whilst we're sort of talking about keywords, do you want to explain how you know, keyword optimization works in LinkedIn as well? Well, yes. Yeah, so LinkedIn really is, is all driven. The algorithms in LinkedIn are all driven by the content or the keywords that you've used in different sections of your profile. Um, and so often people will focus on, on making sure that they put those key skills into the skills section. Um, and, and that's great because that does drive search results. And so if people are searching for people with those skills, it's going to help you be ranked higher in those search results. It also helps filter the content that comes to your page. So the news articles, the people that are recommended to you, the groups that they recommend to you. And of course, the jobs board, it's all going to be filtered based on, on, on what keywords you've used. But it isn't just important to put them in the key skills section. It's also important to make sure that each of the other sections has got a good smattering of those keywords, particularly as different parts of LinkedIn are differently weighted in terms of how those keywords rank. So in your sort of headline um, and in those job title boxes, for example, those words that you use in those boxes carry a lot of weight in terms of um, I'm going to sound like I really uh, like a novice here, but the algorithms that they use and it's maths, so I don't get it. But um, the algorithms that they use and how that all filters the content to you and, and helps your search results. 
Yeah, and look, I mean, I don't think they give away their algorithms, do they? So I don't think they're all sort of secret secret squirrel about their algorithms, these social media platforms. So we don't know exactly how it works other than we can sort of test things and we know, I guess, where the keywords need to be. Yeah, and I think what I always say to candidates, here's so much. I mean, LinkedIn's been around for a long time now and it took a long time to sort of really get moving. You know, you speak to people, oh, I don't get any value from LinkedIn. And then when you look at their profile, you can see that it's because it's not optimised. So it's you get out what you put in. And if you do invest a little bit of time in, in optimising it, um, at, at, you make sure that the content that's coming to you is relevant, interesting, on point, for your helping your career. And of course, the good way to check that is to look at the jobs board are these jobs relevant to the jobs that I want to do next? And if those jobs on that jobs board are not relevant to what you want to do next, then your profile is not optimised. So that's a good little check-in process. Yeah, that's a great point. And, I mean, it's about having it optimised for the future, isn't it, making it future-focused rather than what you've done in the past? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, say that about resumes and LinkedIn. It's you're writing for the jobs you want, not the jobs that you've had. Yes, yeah. Um, I find often with the resumes, um, I have candidates who, um, sorry, clients who send me their resume and um, I sort of might make a few comments and say it looks a little, what we would call perhaps a little bit old school, um, to be brutally honest, and then I show them an example of, you know, what uh, we consider to be a best practice contemporary resume um, and sometimes it's a bit of a shock to them. What have you noticed, again, over the years, how resumes have changed in the last decade? It will definitely it is more much more of a marketing document. So there's sort of three areas that, that I would focus on. One is the, the structure of the resume, um, the format of the resume, and of course the content. So there's been changes, I would say, to all of those elements. Um, um, the format being really important now, first of all, because of that ATS that we've just been talking about. There's certain formats, um, things like sidebars and tables where it sometimes makes it difficult for that software to pick up the words that are in your document. So you have to make sure that the template you're using is one that is compatible and consistent with those ATS tools and that when you apply, they can read all the content in your resume. The other thing about the format, and I think people that work in a business environment will have noticed that over the last 20 years, visual presentation of a report has changed very much. You know, you used to just get a black and white, you know, aerial point written document. And now there's sort of um, a lot more color and, and it's broken up into bullet points and the structure and, and how you how you write that is, is different as well. So it, similarly, you don't much just get a black and white, you know, standard aerial point you want to have a little bit of um, uh, formatting functionality in there which makes it engaging and eye-catching when it does get through to the human as well and it looks professional and contemporary yeah and particularly now that recruiters are reviewing everything online uh, that's it years ago we were printing off resumes and reviewing it now I think you know we need a bit of color we need some bold headings of some bullet points I guess that will jump off the off the screen at them Exactly, exactly right. And, and with regards to that structure and how we use things like bullet points, and um, it is informed by research. Um, so it's about how do people read document? What's the optimal length of a, a list of bullet points, for example? And how long should a bullet point be? You know, can, can you write it into a paragraph? So there's, you know, often, you know, clients that we can make the most dramatic impact for visually is where they've just got 
chunky big bits of text that you just know that the way that people screen resumes and you've got that initial 30 second glance, if you're not catching their eye, they're not going to read that detail. So you might have loads of lovely words in there, but they're just not going to be read by um, by people if they're not presented in the right way and structured in the right way. I think uh, from what I hear, 30 seconds is quite generous, Victoria. Yeah. Think, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And it, it, you know, I've seen it myself those years in corporate where sometimes it's just a look and, and that's a, it's a no. But we've all heard, oh, that looks like my ex wife, or you know, oh, I don't like people called Lisa, or whatever it might be. Um, and, and those really poor decision making, you'd hope that that wouldn't happen, but it does. Well, that's right, it's illegal, but it still happens. And I, I find that quite tricky. You know, I was uh, working with a client today, had a beautiful photo, but I still said, I still think you should remove the photo. Like the photo can go in LinkedIn, but it doesn't need to be on the resume. Yeah, I th- I basic. my bottom line is if it isn't about how good you are at the job that you're applying for, then it's not relevant, you know. So what you look like isn't um, relevant to the job, uh, in most jobs anyway, I should say. There are some jobs where it would be very relevant. Um, but most jobs, corporate jobs, it's it's you know shouldn't be part of the decision making process, and certainly not part of that screening process. So, so don't include it. Uh, when recruiters are you know having that six second, seven second, maybe thirty second glance, if they're being generous, what do you think the key things are that they're looking for, Vic? Um, so uh, bearing in mind that that initial screen will have got you through based on keyword optimization. So they'll want to be able to see that as well. So that needs to be presented in a way that can be read. Oh, yes, tick, tick, tick. They've got all of that in their mind. They can see all the things that they're looking for. But what that that's, should be most of the shortlist should have those keywords because it's been screened automatically. So what we want to do then to get it through the next stage of the human reader is be able to evidence those skills. So yes, you've got them. How have you applied them? And so then you're looking for making sure that your experience, and this is another big change that we've seen in terms of content, used to just be telling people what your job was. This was my job. This was the job description. And that is very much what I see a lot from from clients when they first come to us. And it's about shifting from selling the job to selling the value that you brought to the organization to that role. And sometimes we have to take a step back and not just look at the tasks that you are performing, but what was the context that you were operating in? What was going on in the business? What, how are the customers' needs changing and how are you adapting to them? So that we can really step back and just say, I didn't just answer calls. I, you know, I was, I, I was solving problems, driving change, de- generating improvement in the way that we did things and the experience our customers had. Yeah, and sometimes it's just having the right questions, isn't it, to draw that information out, which can be mm-hmm. tricky, I guess, for people when they're doing it themselves, to be asking themselves those questions. You know, I might be jumping the gun here Leah, with, your, with another question that's coming, but I think a lot of the time, you know, people tie themselves up in knots trying to write their resumes and the people that seem to agonise over it the most and, and really, really struggle are often the people that have been, you know, the most passionate about what they do um, and, and have brought the most value to what they do. And it, it's difficult for them because they can't often see the wood for the trees. They're so passionate about everything. They want to include it all and in all the detail. So the value that, that you or I can add to it is helping them to be objective and say, okay, well, what's really transferable into the next role and, and how much detail do they need so that they, the reader 
the audience can see what's important and not get lost or bogged down in detail or decide not to read it. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, really, these days, it's a snapshot, isn't it? It's just a marketing document that is um, giving you the highlights rather than everything you've ever done. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find that often clients, even from a communications or journalism background, where they've obviously got really strong writing of skills themselves, often they're the people that find it most difficult to write about themselves. And I can't, um, the number of times people have said to me, oh, I could do this for someone else, but I can't do it for me. Yes. Why do you you think that is? Well, I mean, it is hard to write write about ourselves and particularly when we've got to market ourselves. I think it's not... Um, something that we would naturally do is is tell people how awesome we are. Yeah, it's just it, it just doesn't necessarily sit well with us. So so there's definitely the hardest document I've ever written is is my own resume, and and it is important to get somebody else to to have an objective look at it, preferably you know somebody you've worked with or whatever who can add value and say no, but you also did X, Y, or Z. Um, but I think one of the light bulb moments that goes on for, for um, communications professionals and marketers is when I explain to them that they wouldn't write any content or develop any marketing campaign materials without really understanding who their customer is and what their customer is looking for. And then they write back from there. And so that's how I explain it to them in, in understanding the jobs that you're going for and what are they looking for. And that's your audience. That's what you need to, to, to tie into. And so it helps them be a bit more objective about what needs to be included and what's really going to add value. Um, Victoria, you write resumes for people in the UK, obviously most in Australia, um, the US, Asia. Can you take us through some of the key differences that you see writing resumes across different countries? I would say that there is sort of global best practice. It's not hugely variable across countries. What I would say is that it is variable across industries. And so we would adapt um, the style, first of all, depending on what sort of level role it was, um, whether it's executive level or or graduate or entry level role. And then secondly, around what industry sector it would be. So, um, for example, health medical professionals would, would have a, a different sort of resume structure um, and style to a creative um, you, you know that's just broadly speaking but it, there's sort of nuances to each industry sector I would say in terms of what sections we include so what headings we have for each section how they're presented what like whether the education is on the on the front or whether it's at the back would depend on on the nature of the industry that kind of thing so there are slight nuances, but then there's some some big ticket items that just best practice. Yeah, great. Um, if someone was keen to perhaps update their resume over the summer for next year, when I think you know recruitment's probably going to really go into overdrive in February, March, um, particularly in Australia because we've had things on hold for a long time. What would be three key pieces of advice that you would give someone? who is going to sit down and perhaps rewrite or update their resume? The first thing I would say to them is understand the job market, understand what your target jobs are, get a short list of, say, five to ten active roles, um, go through those job adverts, and if there are job descriptions attached, then go through those as well work out what the selection criteria are and, and, you know, what they need to address in in their application. So that would be the first thing when they're sort of building their resume. What do they need to include? 
The other thing is, of course, as we talked about, having a format that they know is going to be compatible with ATS and that all the words are going to get picked up. So even things like what font you use, there are about 10 different fonts that you can use that are going to be read consistently by all, all the software. You can look that up online. Um, so the, so that format bit is really important because that's so frustrating for people when they've got a, a good resume, lots of great experience and a jazzy template that they've put it in to think, wow, this is really eye-catching and they're just getting zero bytes because the, the, the ATS isn't reading any of the content. Um, and then the other thing I think would be making sure that you're articulating not just the keywords, but the evidence that supports those claims. So when you're writing your experience, this is really what takes a resume um, and makes it a competitive standout resume is when those keywords are backed up by achievements, results, outcomes, and think about um, how you've added value um, both within your role, to your customers, to your team, um, better ways of working, all of that kind of thing. Oh, great advice. And I think often people, I think, who are, um, you know, not in senior positions feel like they don't have achievements because perhaps they haven't been given a big award or promoted or anything like that. But, you know, when we sort of dig in, we can always find achievements for people. Um, Everyone is having an impact in some way, whether it's to their manager, their team, to customers, if they're working in a a store or a cafe, um, they're all there, aren't they? It's just um, sometimes it's not that obvious. No, and I think, you know, that is probably the bit that I love most about my job is that the conversations that we have and the the documents that we produce for people is quite an emotional process for some people because they do haven't had a chance to reflect on on where they bring value and you know they perhaps haven't worked in an organization where they have proper career development chats or people give them structured feedback about where they're adding value and and I think that's really sad because my background is HR and that's what I was always passionate about but I really do love having that opportunity for people to just step back and be like wow that was me that I can't believe this document is me and I say well it was all you that's everything that's everything you told me about how you've brought value and and, and what you've done in that role. So, yeah, I like that about my job. Yeah, well, look, I, I think there's been many comments I've had from clients who've seen their resume after you've produced and said, I, I didn't even recognise myself. <laughs> so lovely feedback to get. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Victoria, thank you for jumping on early in your morning over there to share some of your insights. Um, If anyone out there is interested in getting some help from Victoria or the other writers in our team, um, we write resumes from graduate entry level right up to executive level and even board resumes, uh, cover letters, key selection criteria responses, and, of course, LinkedIn profiles. Well, look, Victoria, that's been super helpful. Some great tips there for people who are um, thinking about updating their resume over the summer. So thank you and um, have a great day in the UK. Thank you for having me and have a lovely evening. Cheerio, Leah. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Relaunch Your Career. If you did, please subscribe, share with your friends, leave a review or connect with us on social media at Relaunch Me Career Consulting. If you have any questions about the episode or the work that we do, then contact us via the website relaunchme.com.au. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.